It's Freeform Friday time. Hello, folks, and welcome to this Freeform Friday edition of Unscripted, episode number 337 of our little program. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you. This is the greatest way ever. The boss came up with this months ago, and it's really been a signature way to kind of wrap up the week of our shows. And uh, Chris goes on to our Twitter page at twitter.com slash unscriptedmc. And uh, you can go to that same thing and find where Chris is getting this stuff. These are people that uh, uh, log on to our, our Twitter page and leave comments, leave statements. Uh, I don't know, leave a couple kids if they want. I don't know. But uh, Chris goes on there, scours this page, looks for things to talk about. He brings it up. We banter back and forth and we move on. But it's a great way to end the week. And uh, instead of listening to me babble on, let's bring in the executive producer of Unscripted and let's get this party started on Freeform Friday. And I bring into the program the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Flute. Thanks, Mike. Well, actually, I'm looking forward to having some cheese and crackers while we're talking here. So you can go ahead and blab all you want. <laughs> and so uh, if you hear some crunching in the background, it's just me and you can deal with it. So yep, absolutely. Yes. And anyway, OK, let's get right into it. So one of our favorites, GBP Daily at GBP Daily, which, of course, is Green Bay Packers Daily. All offensive and defensive pass interference calls and non-calls can now be challenged. Owners approved. What do you think of the rule change? Well, obviously something had to happen. I think that they they have, if I'm not mistaken, they're calling this the Sean Payton rule. Um, you know, something had to happen after that uh, obvious, unbelievable miss in the NFC Championship game between the Rams and the Saints. And I'm not saying that the Rams wouldn't have won the game regardless. I mean, the Saints got the ball back and had a chance until the interception at the end. But um, this was so outrageous. The one thing that I'm concerned about is length of games now. Um, you know, I think that one of these days with these instant replays, you're going to have to put a time limit on it. You get, you know, four zebras under the hoods, whether the one at the game and the three at the, at the control center. Um, and it takes them minutes upon minutes upon minutes to make a decision. Um, I think there's gotta be a time limit. I mean, they're seeing the same thing, whether you're as an example, you're in new Orleans or you're in New York, you're seeing the same thing. Let's speed up the decision guys. The one thing that I'm worried about is now we seemingly, in all professional sports, we're trying to find a way to speed things up. This potentially in the National Football League could, could, haven't seen it in action yet, but my first gut reaction is we potentially could see some longer games with these guys under the hood. But we had to do something, and this is what they've decided to do. That's a great point, honestly, and I, I can't even tell you how stupid it looks to me, and I don't know if everyone else is in this boat or not, but when you see the old, especially the really old refs, like Walt Anderson or something, like, I think he retired now, finally, I guess he did, but, uh, like, you know, kind of rumbling over to the sideline so that they can squint at tablets, they shouldn't be running or looking at things, right. like, up close, like, it's crazy. It should be your right. And I hope this leads to reforms in that way too, where, okay, challenge, great. Okay, they point at the booth, boom, your minute one, your one minute starts and they have a dedicated replay official up there in the control, whether it's whether it's in New York or whether it's at the stadium there, whatever, but they have ultra high definition screens ready to go. They have one minute or two minutes or whatever it is. Right. Boom, okay, the clock's going and then you got to send the call down and that's it. And you live with that call. Yes, yeah. absolutely. What, or whatever whatever the length of a commercial break is, that's how long Good you have. Yeah, that's you how got long, three minutes. Yeah, if we're not on the air, fine. Go ahead, take as long as you want. But as soon as we're back on the air, we better have a decision. The ref should be standing at the on the field right now, ready to say the call, and that's it. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree. 100%. So you're absolutely right. Okay. Every once in a while I get lucky. (laughs) Yeah, you nailed that one. Pat Sajak at Pat Sajak. I love Pat Sajak. I I like him too. He seems like a really good guy. He seems like a really good guy. And you know what? Like Alex Trebek, Mm -hmm. which I hope I send out uh, for both of us, we send out our thoughts and prayers. We hope that at the very least that Mr. Trebek is going as painless as possible through this this, uh, cancer episode that he has. But... With guys like Trebek, with guys like uh, Pat Sajak, you gotta be, you've gotta have some morals. You gotta have some. You you gotta be a good guy to last thirty years or whatever that they have in that business. They've got to be really good people. Yeah, like we never heard about Pat Sajak and Vanna White having right. a torrid affair. And we never heard about Alex Trebek with a, a line of coke and a hooker yeah. backstage. I mean, you know, some. I mean, and I, I, I obviously I'm being facetious, but these seem to be good wholesome people and and uh it's good to see that the success they've enjoyed yeah I, you know i just recently in the last few weeks found pat sajak's twitter account and he just i like how he talks like he has these long perfect uh perfectly worded tweets like he's his english and grammar and spelling are just impeccable and i really appreciate it seems like a really just a solid just a good guy and i mm-hmm. uh, always liked him and it's so easy to look past him because you've just everyone's just been used to him forever but anyway I am now of the age where if I drop something, I bend down to pick it up only if there's something else I can do while I'm down there. It's not <laughs> worth the effort for just one thing. I thought you'd appreciate that one. <laughs> that kind of reminds me about what they always tell prisoners. Don't drop the soap. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have to multitask if I'm going to bend over. Um, it's the way of the world. We're trying to get by doing two days of work when it really... Only calls, you know, I, I, I you know, I, don't drop the soap. That's where I'm going to end it right there. I, I, that's, that, that is funny though. It really is. I don't know how to respond to it. So I'm just going <laughs> to say, you might, don't, don't drop the soap. I thought you might, you might have a similar thing. No, about, no, no. Okay. Okay. I don't know if you saw this. This was on uh, James Corden, I think on the late, late show, but, uh, Fanatics View at Fanatics View has the video and they say, in what order would you rank Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant and LeBron James? And before you answer. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know if you saw this here, but Kobe was on the late show, late, late show. And so it was a thing where you had to do a choice between two things. Mm-hmm. And so basically his choice was either answer that question. We're ranking Jordan, Kobe and LeBron mm-hmm. in order, or he could eat a cow's tongue. And so, and, and it was like the most disgusting cow's tongue. It's like this big gray, huge yeah. gray thing. It was yeah. disgusting. And he smelled it and he just, he couldn't do it. And he did, you know, he didn't want to answer the question. So, but he couldn't eat this cow's tongue. So, of course, he did exactly what I thought he would say. I, I never thought I'd hear him answer the question, but this is how they got him to do it because he never wants to answer this. No. But he's like, uh, I'm first, then Michael, then LeBron, is what he said. Well, I don't agree. Um, and, and Kobe obviously is, is a Laker. And, you know, my passions about the Los Angeles Lakers, my order would be this uh, Jordan, LBJ, Kobe. Um, Kobe's a great player. Kobe had unbelievable, a cast of characters around him. People don't realize, you know, for the longest time he had Shaquille O'Neal as his center. And, uh, when Shaquille O'Neal was traded to Miami, um, they brought in Paul Gasol. Um, people forget that, uh, Robert Ori hit some big shots for all those years. 
the former Houston Rocket, came to Los Angeles. He hit big shots when he was in Houston. He hit even bigger shots in L.A. Ask the people in Sacramento what happened at the end of the 2003 season, and if they're a Kings fan, they'll probably try to shoot you because that's when uh, Robert Ory hit a big shot in the 2003 uh, Western Conference Finals that denied the Kings their first ever trip to the finals, and it was the third championship in a row for the then dynasty of the Los Angeles Lakers. But Kobe's a great player, don't get me wrong. Lower Marion, Pennsylvania, you go from high school to the pros, and you do what he did. Um, But again, if you remember, I didn't have Kobe on my Mount Rushmore of the Los Angeles Lakers, and I don't have Kobe any more than number three on this list. Jordan is number one for the simple fact, six for six in finals. Yeah, I'd have the same order as you for sure. There's not even a question about how to change that order for me. Anyway, okay, Dave Koken at Dave Koken. It's baseball season. A Yankees suck chant just brought out at the Bruins game. Yeah, you know, um, well, the Bruins, obviously, they're the the hometown of their greatest rival, the Boston Red Sox. Um, You know, I still, even though Chris has, has really made me open my eyes a bit about the game of baseball. I have been a baseball fan for most of my life, and I still like watching the rivalry games, the Cubs the Cubs and the Cardinals, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the Giants, when those games mean something. Um, but you know what? I would hate to be, in this day and age, I'd hate to be on the Tampa Bay Rays the Baltimore Orioles, or especially the Toronto Blue Jays. Because how in the hell do you compete in a division that's got the Yankees and the Red Sox in it? It just, I just, you know, I I really have liked what I've seen so far from Charlie Montoya, the new manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Seems to be a hell of a guy. He seems to have the room. uh, But how can they compete in that division? I I just don't see how... um, it's going to be the Yankees and the Red Sox. I think the difference this year will be simply this. I think the Red Sox, excuse me, the Yankees have done more in the offseason. And maybe the Red Sox, because they couldn't really, they didn't have, even there's got to, even for John Henry in that market, there's got to be some f- fiscal responsibility every now and then. So I don't think when you're trying to extend a Mookie Betts or you're trying to uh, extend a shortstop, that Xander uh, Bogarts or shortstop, they're trying to give him a seven-year deal. So Boston um, is trying to keep their homegrown talent, and they probably had to draw the line. I think the Yankees have done just enough in the offseason to make up the difference. And But you know what? It doesn't really matter because the guy that loses the division is going to be the wild card, so they still got a shot. Okay, so now I'm not going to say this tweet exactly, but this is from uh, Adam Schefter at Adam Schefter. I'm going to change this into some Packers trivia for my. Oh, good. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yep. Okay, so, uh, so this is about uh, a long drought where the Packers are at the top here. So the last time the Packers selected a non-quarterback offensive skill position player was in 2002 that 16 year drought is the longest active streak without selecting a non-quarterback offensive skill position player in the first round Mm -hmm. who did the packers take in the first round of 2002 a wide receiver out of florida state university by the name of javon walker nailed it nice job 
I knew you could do that. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's... I thought you'd get it, but I I didn't want to bet my life on it. But I thought you'd I thought you'd nail it. Yeah, uh, I I um I know my wife's spots and I know Packer trivia. That's about it. <laughs> uh, how would how would you say uh Javon Walker was as a Packer and or an NFL player? I think he probably would consider himself uh probably a bit of an underachiever. Um, he had a great couple of years with Green Bay. Uh, had a great connection with Favre. Um, remember if you remember that infamous game where Favre played after his dad died on a Monday night, uh, one of his big targets that night was Javon Walker. Uh, but Javon Walker then, uh, got a little bit too big for his shorts, if you will, in green Bay and demanded more money and the Packers shipped him off to, to, uh, Oakland and he was never the same. So unbelievable talent when he first came to green Bay, but then probably as I like to, Chris has gotten me to say he started drinking his own bathwater. <laughs> and uh, his performance did not uh, repeat itself after a couple of years of Green Bay, and they shipped him off to Oakland, and uh, that was the end of Javon Walker. I, I love that. Still, that will always be one of my favorite sayings. It's an awesome Drinking one. your own bathwater. It's an awesome man. saying. Uh, okay, well, while we're talking about the Packers, let's talk about your boy here. So another thing from GBP Daily. Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions last season on 597 passing attempts. Mm-hmm. Rodgers is the only quarterback in NFL history to attempt 450-plus passes and throw less than four interceptions in a season. Most efficient quarterback of all time. Um, I'm going to take exception to this, um, and this is the biggest difference in Green Bay between uh, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Brett Favre would try to throw a football through a brick wall, and if it got intercepted, well, big deal. We'll see you in four downs. Um, I think sometimes, especially last year, I found Aaron Rodgers trying to be too perfect and throwing the ball out of bounds to avoid the interceptions. I believe that Aaron, especially as he's gotten older and longer in his career, older in age, and he was trying to solidify that big contract, he was trying to be too perfect, and he was so conscious about being perfect with his numbers in regard to his passer rating that I think it took away from some of the things that made him unique. And uh, hopefully we see, now that the contract is done, hopefully we see a circa 2012 through 2014 Aaron Rodgers instead of the last year's version. I think Brett Favre didn't give a damn about where the ball went just so that it got there. And he did some things that people would look at as a, as a quarterback coach or a head coach, and they'd go, that ball isn't going to, and then all of a sudden it would be completed. And... Um, I'm not a huge I mean I I obviously I'm a Packer fan and and Brett Favre Brett Favre saved the Green Bay franchise folks along with Bob Harlan, Mike Holmgren and Reggie White. When they all came aboard in 1992 after the 29 years of crap um we owe Brett Favre an awful lot. But they are two different kind of quarterbacks. One's a gunslinger, one's a technician, and I think the technician tried to be a little bit too perfect last year, and it wasn't the Aaron Rodgers that we need to have moving forward. I think that's one of my favorite points you've ever made on this show. I really do. I, I just uh, I wouldn't have thought of that. I, I love that you're not denying that he's an efficient technician of a quarterback, but you're just saying at what cost, and I love that. That's That's really good. Uh, okay, Colin Cowherd at Colin Cowherd. Yeah, he's an idiot. Well, oh my God, he's an idiot. Well, I think you would have said that after this, because I feel like this is something you were going to strenuously disagree with. His tweet says, yeah, I said it. I would trade LeBron for Zion. Yeah, um, 
that is just that is just preposterous. That is just some lonely white guy that sits in a booth and never played a game but has an opinion, just like everybody's got a you know what hole too. Um, I can't stand Colin Coward. I don't think he has any knowledge. I think that he's a he's a blowhard. You know, people give uh, Stephen A. Smith a lot of stuff because of how loud he is, but at least he comes with an opinion with based on some fact. This guy just comes with an opinion, and uh, I, I don't think he brings any credibility to it. Um, that's as dumb as the guy that, that and, and it was funny, to answer Ryan's question, I remember Ryan asked on our Patreon page, um, the guy who said that LeBron James should be traded should be shot, and that was Jeff Van Gundy, who's an ESPN analyst now, former head coach of the Knicks, and at one time of the Houston Rockets, he thinks that LeBron should be traded if you want to, again, start the rebuilding of the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, that's as dumb as Jeff Van Gundy saying that LeBron should be traded. Zion Williamson's a great young talent. But remember, just like my problem with Kyler Murray in the National Football League, he's played one year of college basketball. Zion Williamson's only going to get better, folks. Or the alternative is, which I've mentioned before, if he doesn't work out hard enough, he's going to end up as a fatter Charles Barkley. <laughs> Oh, man, that's, that's just mean. I know okay. it is. Okay, well, speaking of mean, we've talked about Philadelphia sports fans yes. a lot before. So, for the win at For the Win, Phillies fans booed Bryce Harper after his second strikeout on opening day. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think the people, after spending 300 and, what is it, 312 million or whatever it was on Bryce Harper over the next 12, 330 million, excuse me, over the next 12 years, that they were expecting Bryce Harper to go deep every time. Isn't going to happen, folks. Um, but remember, I've said this, I don't know how many times on this program, and I will continue to do it. Philly fans have no memory. They once booed Mike Schmidt. And Mike Schmidt, unlike Bryce Harper, has accomplished something in Major League Baseball. He has 621 career, 500, something like that. He's got an unbelievable amount of home runs. The all-time leading home run hitter from the third base position. He's led the Phillies to championships. And Bryce Harper, well, all he's done so far. And he's a Las Vegan, but all he's done so far is gotten paid like a superstar. There you go. All right. Mike's on fire. Let's keep it going here. Uh, Sports Center at Sports Center. Quote, the way the team was set up, we all needed each other. And without Manu, there were no championships. End quote. Coach Pop. You know what? Um, I, I don't disagree with that. And when it comes from Coach Popovich, um, there is obviously something to think about because Popovich is not a guy that throws out superlatives like, you know, uh, uh, Frisbees. He is very guarded in his comments. I think probably in private, he opens up a little bit more and talks about his great affinity for Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, and Tony Parker. But publicly, he likes to keep the persona that I'm the boss, I'm a hard ass, I'm the drill sergeant, and you will, um, you know, you will do it my way. Remember, I lived in San Antonio when Popovich started as the coach of the San Antonio Spurs. So I know a little bit about Popovich. He was an assistant before he became the head man. And all he's done in his tenure is win five championships. And the Spurs qualified this year for their 22nd consecutive trip to the NBA playoffs. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with anything that uh, Greg Popovich says no. about basketball. So. Got that right. No. Okay. All right. Uh, the Daily Caller at Daily Caller. Dion Sanders says his rock bottom was when he was having threesomes. 
Um, <laughs> I'm not a huge Dion fan, so I'm going to take it another way, and I'm going to keep it on the playing field. I think rock bottom for Dion Sanders, and you may not agree with this out there in unscripted land, but I think the undoing in the beginning of the end, and I don't mean to be end, but his low point was when he was trying to play baseball and football at the same time. Um, he alienated a great relationship that he had with John Shureholes and Stan Kasten. Then they were the president and general manager, respectively, of the Atlanta Braves when they were in the middle of a World Series run in the mid-'80s when he was trying to play football at the same time for the Atlanta Falcons, and all he did was piss off the Atlanta Falcons brass, too. I think Dion probably is one of the few guys as a pure athlete that pull it off, like a Bo Jackson, but Dion, in my opinion, didn't do it the right way. He, you know... It's one thing when you do it, I think, during the regular season, but when you're in contention to win a World Series championship in Atlanta, you don't bring a sideshow on from the football field. And I think that ruined, at, which was at that time, a great relationship between Kasten, Sureholes, and Deion Sanders, and I think it was a big reason why the next year Deion was traded to the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, well, that's, uh, I can't argue with that, actually. Uh, okay, so, <laughs> oh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Okay, for the win, at for the win, Tampa Bay Rays had the saddest opening day sellout. I don't know if you can see this here, but there's, uh, that's a sellout. I'm a bottle of mustard. And uh, so let's, uh, there's another tweet here about it. I like this one. Mark Kisla and Mark Kisla. If Marlins Park were a shopping mall, all that would still be open is an Orange Julius and an Everything 99 Cent store. <laughs> and that's that's how I uh, feel. Like, this is this is not a sellout. This is a joke. Like, there's whole decks empty. It's ridiculous. Well, I feel bad for both of the Florida baseball teams for two reasons. I don't give a damn about Derek Jeter and the Marlins per se. I'm more disappointed about the taxpayers of Broward County that are paying for this brand new stadium that no one's actually going out to see because the new ownership group of the Marlins trades away. I mean, think about how good the Florida Marlins or Miami Marlins would be if they still had Giancarlo Stanton, if they still had Marcel Osuna, if they still had JT Real Muto, the catcher, and what about if they had defending National League MVP Kristen Yelich? Think how good the Miami Marlins would be. And they still couldn't draw flies down there. Tampa Bay... They're in such bad shape that they probably inflated the sellout numbers on opening day. And remember, we talked about this about a week or two ago on Unscripted, that they were covering the top row, the upper deck of seats. So the the uh, game day attendance now at that that mausoleum called Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida, the, the attendance can only be probably in the high 20s to early 30s now because you've taken the, the, the top the top, the upper deck, you've taken it out of play. So for that one game, if they can't even draw flies, I think, you know, here's what Major League Baseball needs to do. At the very least, for the opening of every home season for the Tampa Bay Rays, they've got to play the New York Yankees because that's the only team that would guarantee them a home opener sellout. That's the only way because yeah. the, the Yankees train at Legends Field in Tampa, Florida. Yeah, and it's a divisional game, so it... Makes... Well, but it's the Yankees, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, those, those pricks. Okay, mm. this came in just now. This is not on Twitter. Sportsnet just sent me a notification. Blue Jays and Randall Greichuk, Greichuk. Uh, agree on a five-year, $52 million extension. 
Wow. Okay. Um, and we probably should have reported this earlier, but we'll do it now. If you weren't aware, and I wasn't until Chris told me earlier uh, today that the uh, Toronto Blue Jays had sent their all-star center fielder, and I love this guy. I really do. The defense that he plays in center field is unbelievable, and he is really going to have to patrol center field out at uh, AT&T Park in San Francisco because the new ca- news came down earlier this afternoon that the Tampa Bay Ray, attempt Tampa Bay Rays, Jesus Christ, <laughs> the Toronto Blue Jays had traded their all-star center fielder Kevin Pillar to the San Francisco Giants for a couple of hockey bags and a and a ball bag. I don't know. Chris is looking it up right now. Um, I got, can, yeah, yeah. Uh, so okay, they well in a separate deal. They see uh, they um, the Jays also acquired Socrates Brito from the Padres. But uh, no, they they traded for I guess uh, 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 Alan Hansen. Sorry, Alan Hansen and two pitchers who I think are prospects. So basically, they got three bodies for for an all star center fielder. Um, I'm going to miss Kevin uh, Pilar in center field for the for the Blue Jays. The catches that he has made over the last five, six, seven years are outstanding, and the thing that makes him so incredible is that I haven't seen him make an error in five, six, or seven years. I I don't watch every Blue Jays games, but this guy is one of the ultimate defensive players in all of baseball, and his batting has gotten better over the years, and I think the San Francisco Giants made a hell of an acquisition today. Now, with Grychek signing a five-year extension, he is now the new center fielder for the Toronto Blue Jays, and it'll be interesting to see. The Blue Jays are in full, 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 uh, rebuild mode. Um, I think it's just a matter of time before Marcus Stroman, who uh, was the opening day pitcher for the Blue Jays, I think it's just a matter of time before he gets traded. And then ultimately, I also think it's just a matter of time before Aaron Sanchez gets traded. Those are the only two real uh, blue chip uh things that they have to play, trading chips that they have to play with. And I think before the All-Star break, those two pitchers will be gone as well. Because as I said earlier, if you're the Orioles, the Rays, or the Jays in the American League East, how the hell can you compete with the Yankees and the Red Sox? You might as well do what the Blue Jays are doing in the midst of right now and doing a full total rebuild. Okay, Deadspin at Deadspin. And this was widely reported. And this was a really nice story and a really nice video. Uh, Giannis made a little girl cry because he loved her artwork so much. And uh, I don't know if you saw it, but it was a really nice thing. Giannis Antetokounmpo is a different kind of superstar than we're used to seeing in primetime North American sports. This guy seems to have a heart. He's got compassion. He understands that the fans are an integral part of the game of basketball. Um, you know, there aren't a lot of people, uh, you know, knocking down fences and uh, booking flights to Milwaukee. They're just, they aren't. Um, you know, Giannis becomes a free agent after next season. He's got one more year on his deal in Milwaukee, and next year could potentially be a zoo unless the pa- unless the uh, Bucks do something proactive and get his name on a contract before he becomes an official free agent. But the thing that, for me that makes Giannis different from other athletes in all forms of professional sports. And, you know, I have dealt with all four, and I know it's been 20-some years, but um, hockey players are still the nicest guys to deal with. They really, truly are. But 
there are a lot of prima donna assholes in the NBA, and Giannis Antetokounmpo is not one of them. He just seems like a legitimately good guy. And uh, if Milwaukee is fortunate enough to take this unbelievable regular season success, their most successful season in almost 40 years, um, if they're able to go on at least a deep playoff run, there's nobody more deserving. And I ultimately think that the MVP, and I'm biased, but if the Bucks make a long playoff run, they do it because of number 34 on their team. And if they do make that long playoff run, I think Giannis should be the league MVP. Okay, for the win at for the win, Sergio Garcia cost himself a hole with strange tap-in blunder. Um, I think it's time that um, professional golf and uh, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan suspend this moron. He has lost his mind. As you know, about a month or so ago on a, in a, at a European tour event, he went nuts. He busted up a couple of greens. He busted up a uh, sand trap because he didn't think there was enough sand in the sand trap. <laughs> and then he went nuts on a couple of greens and was dragging his cleats. And he still wears steel cleats, so he was tearing up the greens. And then he had an issue with Matt Kuchar this weekend at the... Uh, match play championship in Austin, Texas, and then he had a problem. I mean, this guy has gotten out of control, and I would have loved. We didn't get to see it, but ultimately, if Garcia would have won one more match and if Tiger would have gotten past uh, that guy from Sweden or whatever the hell he was from, Denmark or whatever, this weekend, I would have loved to have seen Tiger and uh, Sergio play again because Sergio has said many times he hates Tiger. And uh, Tiger says the same thing back to him. I would have loved to have seen that. But I think the PGA Tour and the uh, uh, European Tour need to take some disciplinary action against uh, Sergio Garcia. This is not the norm, the way he's acting on a golf course. He's acting on a golf course like they act in the National Football League. And when they act like that in the National Football League, there are repercussions for your actions. And I think that somebody in golf needs to uh, take a few notches out of the gun belt of one Sergio Garcia. Chris Long at Joel 9-1. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me 14 times, you're Gonzaga. <laughs> uh Mark Few is the basketball coach at Gonzaga, and he does an unbelievable job. You talk about trying to recruit professional athletes that are getting overpaid to come to Green Bay. Can you imagine trying to get collegiate athletes to come to Spokane, Washington? I mean, that's got to be difficult. And the job that he does every year and the no exposure they get in the West Coast Conference, and yet Gonzaga's there every year. And they came into this tournament as the number one ranked team in the country. They weren't number one uh, overall seed in the tournament. That went to the six-loss Duke Blue Devils. But uh, Gonzaga is an unbelievable underachiever, or excuse me, overachiever every year. And uh, I think Mark Few, realistically, with what he has to work with, I think he could be under consideration for Coach of the Year every flipping year out there in the inland uh, part of the state of Washington. He just does an unbelievable job. Okay, uh, you don't really have to respond to this one, but I just wanted to tell you this tweet anyway. For the win at For the Win, I don't know if you heard uh, Tom Izzo's answer, but Tom Izzo was asked who could defend Zion Williamson. Did you hear what he said? No, I didn't, no. His answer? Khalil Mack. 
Yeah, you know, yeah. You know what? I got to say this, and and I don't know if I said it last week. I didn't hear it uh, during one of my walks because that's when I listen to my, uh, when I listen to our episodes and I critique myself. Um, I may have said something, but uh, I got to reiterate it. The people that were giving Tom Izzo shit last week because he took a strip out of number 11 on his team, go fuck yourselves. I haven't said that a lot lately because some people are saying to me that I'm swearing too much and I'm trying to tone it down. But you do not tell Tom Izzo to tone it down when you're playing, when when he's coaching basketball, when he's doing his job. He has won 700, 800 games. This is his eighth Final Four. Yes, he's only won one national championship, but to get to eight Final Fours at Michigan State with the academic requirements that they have to adhere to as a Big Ten school, um, yeah, go fuck yourself. I, I think Tom Wizzo is a first ballot college Hall of Fame coach, and if he wants to take a strip out of some one of his players, then that player probably had it coming. Okay, uh, here's something where you and I are in agreement and our buddy Ryan disagrees with us. Okay. Okay, so Tom Harrington at CBC Tom tweets, The Stanley Cup playoffs without Bob Cole will be like the Beatles without Paul or John, Astaire without Rogers, Poutine without Gravy, Fish without Chips, Butch without Sundance. Simply not the same. It's been great, Bob. Thanks from all of us. I couldn't agree more, and I, I respect Ryan's knowledge and I respect his opinion, but there is something iconic especially come playoff time for a legendary voice like Bob Cole. And notice I didn't say Bob Neal. So I actually, <laughs> um, I, I'm learning, but Bob Neal was a very good uh, basketball pro- broadcaster for TNT back in the day. And I interviewed him many times. That's where the connection comes with Bob Neal. But Bob Cole is a legend. And I know he's 84, 85 years old and and he isn't as good as he used to be back in the day. None of us are as good as we used to be back in the day. But there's some familiar there is familiarity. There is a calmness. There is there is a sense of uh, you're at ease when you're listening to Bob Cole announce a hockey game. And I think that uh, you know I don't you know I'm as you know I'm not a huge fan of Jim Houston and Craig Simpson as the number 1 team on the CBC I get that but they've they've paid their dues they should be the guys they should be the they should be the uh uh Aikman and Buck moving forward I get that um first of all nobody is as good as our guy from the New York Rangers or New York or the uh, New Jersey Devils uh, who am I thinking of? The broadcaster that we rave about all the time, um, Doc Emmerich. Doc Emmerich is oh, still yeah. the best. He is awesome. Still yeah. the best. And you know there are some good things about Jim Houston. I can't stand Craig Simpson, and my position will never change on that. But there's something iconic about Bob Cole and his affiliation and his association with the National Hockey League playoffs. And I think at the very least, Bob Cole should be able to get at least one playoff series every year until he decides not to do it anymore. Yeah, I agree. For me, it's like uh, Don Whitman calling CBC of uh, CFL football or Jim Ross calling wrestling. It's right. just it's just a voice you can't uh, you can't uh, improve upon in in my opinion. So, okay, here's a tweet and a response. So, U Stadium at U Stadium says debate. Is Andrew Luck a top five quarterback? So then John Middlecoff at John Middlecoff says, what's tomorrow's tweet? Can Steph Curry shoot? Is <laughs> is Odell fast? <laughs> yeah. In this day and age, I don't think there's any question that uh, Andrew Luck is one of the top five quarterbacks in the National Football League. And now that he's got that 
year back last year after all the injury problems with his throwing shoulder, I think that we're going to see even a better Andrew Luck in 2019. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that if you're in the AFC South, you better watch out. I really think. I, I got to say this, though. I have been surprised a little bit that there haven't been more guys that have been interested in playing in Indianapolis. Yeah. You've got an indoor facility. Weather is not an issue. You've got world-class facilities in regard to the whole organization. You've got a world-class uh, practice facility. Uh, there has been no mention. I mean, everything is is, from what I've heard, even going to their Anderson, Indiana training camp, everything is first class for the Indianapolis Colts. And I haven't been a huge advocate of Jim Irsey, but he understands quality and he gives his players everything that they need to to win football games. I am a bit surprised with all the cap space that they had. I am a bit surprised that there aren't haven't been a few more free agents that want to check out Southern Indiana. Yeah, I'm blown away too. That's a great point. I, like we said, uh, Antonio Brown really should have tried to see if he could get there. Okay, uh, Dave Koken at Dave Koken. As a Las Vegan, I, rem- I remain convinced the valuable experience Chris Beard gained during his phenomenal run at UNLV has led to his success at Texas Tech. <laughs> this bothers me to no end. Um, I am a UNLV alum, and since Coach uh, uh, Tarkanian was shoved out the door by the National Communists against athletes for things that I believe he had no knowledge of, but then again, you're responsible for your program, so I I get that. But ever since uh, Coach Tarkanian was forced out after we won the 1990 National Championship with the greatest collection of college basketball players, ever on one floor. I mean, you talk about the four, uh, the, the Michigan Fab Five, and you talk about the four freshmen this year at Duke and all this other stuff. Consider this. In the 1990 season, when UNLV won their one and only national championship, Larry Johnson, first-round pick. Anderson Hunt, second-round pick. Stacy Ogman, first-round pick. Greg Anthony, first-round pick. They were all on the same fucking team. And because of some idiot named Miles Brand, who was the end, who was the uh, uh, president of the NC2A at the time, and he had some axe to grind because, you know, how are the guys? And I, I have to admit, I'll tell you a story. I had a class in 1990. I don't remember what the fucking class was. It doesn't matter. But we had assigned seats, and you knew. All right, here's here's the example. Was UNLV crooked? Probably. First day. And because my last name is Jay, sitting about two steps seats down, the first day of class was Larry Johnson. Jay. Okay? I'm J A, he's J O. Now, is there a little bit difference? Yeah. I'm a five foot nine white guy. He's a six foot eight behemoth black guy. So yeah, there's a little difference. Okay. I never, the rest of that semester, never saw LJ in class again. There was always somebody else sitting in his seat. So yeah. I mean, we probably had to help LJ stay eligible during basketball season. No question. But tell me that doesn't happen at other NCAA institutions. This guy that Chris is talking about was basically the coach at UNLV for about a week. And then he got cold feet and wanted to go back to Lubbock, Texas. And he has done a great job at at, at, at Lubbock, Texas. I mean, you talk about difficulty recruiting athletes to come to Spokane, Washington to play for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Well, think about 
trying to get athletes to come to Lubbock, Texas. I'm telling you folks, I've been there. You don't want to go back. It is the dumbest looking, stupidest looking mother. <laughs> you know what in town. And I, and you know how I feel about Salt Lake City. Lubbock, Texas is even worse. Whoa. Oh my God. It's in the middle of the West, you know, West Texas. Uh, all you see is oil fields and dust. Um, Sounds like Calgary in the summer. <laughs> kind of, but even worse. There's nothing green. It's all brown in Lubbock, Texas. And yes, this guy has done a good job, but um, I, I'm disappointed that he didn't have the cojones to try to at least resuscitate the UNLV program. And nobody, nobody has been able to do it. I mean, we have been surpassed in the state of Nevada by Nevada Reno and what uh, that muscleman moron is doing up in Reno. We used to wipe the floor with Reno yeah. when UNLV was really at the best under Tarkanian's days, and now we can't even compete with Nevada Reno. Ugh, that, Ugh, sucks. that just sounds bad. It does. Uh, this is not exactly breaking news, but I wanted to report it anyway here. Just uh, So for the first time ever, somebody has been banned for life by the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency from fighting in the UFC. Uh, someone named John Jones. I <laughs> well, no, I don't wish that because I need before he gets banned or we dies need, or anything. Need, what's we need someone to, to kick, kick the shit out of just him. Anybody to kick the shit out of him. But right. anyway, uh, no, a UFC heavyweight named Ruslan Magomedov received a lifetime ban. So he had tested positive earlier years ago or something, and then he posted tested positive a second time in October, and then they went to give him a third test recently, and he refused. And a refusal is the That's same as being, a, yeah. yeah, it's the same as popping for it. Right. So he's banned for life. Isn't it about time we saw something like this in, I don't know, baseball? I think it'd be something I think it should be something in all sports. I thought it was preposterous and I didn't. I, I I wish I'd have remembered this earlier, but I guess uh, better late than never. You know, Randy Gregory. Mm-hmm. You know the guy. Mm-hmm. You've, he's been busted every year yeah, for dope yeah. uh, in the National Football League, and he's he was suspended again. Yeah. But what does Jerry Jones and his son Stephen do? They gave the bum a contract extension. <laughs> I think uh, Gregory. If you can't control your demons. After two or three kicks at the can, I don't think you're ever going to control those demons, and yeah. that's the guy that should be banned for life. You know, there would be guys in the regular world, me included, that would give a testicle to be able to play for the money that they're playing for oh, yeah. in the National Football League, and here's a guy that continually, literally, p- keeps pissing it away. And not, no, not the Cowboys. They don't indefinitely suspend him or ban him for life. The Cowboys give him a contract extension. I'm really not too happy about that. I can tell. Okay, last two tweets here. So I like this one. I just uh, saw it today. Uh, <laughs> Ted Berg at OG Ted Berg. Home jerseys should say the team name, and road jerseys should say the place the team is from. You don't need shirts that say Miami when you're playing in Miami. I can tell by all the empty seats and tiny coffees. <laughs> I love that. I couldn't agree more. That in Miami, it should be heat on the front of the jersey or dolphins or whatever. Nobody goes to the heat games anymore because LBJ is gone and nobody's gone to the Dolphins game since 1972 when Don Shula was leading them to back-to-back Super Bowls. But I couldn't agree more. When you're on the road, you wear your cities, wear the city you're from. When you're at home, uh, uh, nickname on front, that's all you need. Yeah. 
Okay, and uh, it wouldn't be Freeform Friday without The Onion, and we've somehow got all through this without any Onion tweets, so I got one here. The Onion at The Onion report. Male hair loss, seven times more painful than childbirth. Well, I don't know about that, because A, I've never experienced childbirth, obviously. (laughs) I've had, now, I've had an ACL tear twice, and that's pretty painful, but I can't imagine trying to get a seven-pound baby out of, you know, that special area. Uh, I I can't imagine how painful that would be. Hair loss has not been a problem for me yet. I'm proud to say at 54, I've started to cut my hair again, but I still am pretty much bald spot free. I'm just feeling for it to make sure I'm reporting the truth, but um, I haven't had the pain of hair loss yet. It's gray. (laughs) It's very gray. In, In some spots, it's white. Uh, but I still have most of my head of hair. Uh, Chris first met me, and I had a lot of hair, but uh, <laughs> I, I have. Uh, I don't think there's much difference in the last couple of years here. Oh, I you. Oh, I used to, uh, three Not, years ago. Oh. I used to have. I could have put it in a ponytail. Oh, I remember. I did see pictures yeah. of when you had it longer. Yeah, yeah you're, I could have put it in a ponytail yeah, a couple the, years ago. Then my my daughter started to make fun of me, and I had to quit oh, that yeah. shit. He had the he had the hockey flow. Okay, actually, last one here's the onion. I see the onion just had a new tweet four minutes ago. McDonald's unveils new senior citizen play place. And they got to see, they got a nice old man in, playing in the balls there. Isn't that nice? <laughs> well, as long as he isn't playing with his balls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, you know what? We have said this many, many times that uh, McDonald's is a very proactive place. And they seem to be able to adapt to whatever yep. situation, totally. whatever yeah. uh, generation, whatever. And that's why McDonald's is one of the best run companies in the world. And um, I have nothing but praise. My first paying job was a fry cook at McDonald's 100 years ago. And some of the values that I still to this day value come from McDonald's when I was 16. Yeah, excellent training. Excellent. Like like I always say, Royal Vancouver Yacht Club wanted, wished I would have had McDonald's on my resume. Yeah. So all you need to know. We've got a run here on this 337th episode of Unscripted. We like to commonly refer to it as Freeform Friday as our wrap-up for a great week of shows. We thank everybody for participating and hope that you uh, continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.